0: Another quarantine. Another video chat, dude. How are you? Uh,
1: I'm doing okay, dude. Can't complain. We uh, went for a nice long walk today. I'm enjoying, you know, those of you who are living in in the Bay Area. I mean, the weather has really turned nice, you know, over the last couple days. A nice day today. Nice long walk. Time outside. We're supposed to be in Disneyland right now, so we have this video game on Xbox, that is basically a Disneyland simulator. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're able to. You can walk around the park basically, and then there's little. You know, you can ride rides, but the rides are like, um, arcade style. So there's things you're supposed to do while you're on them. Okay. Cool. So it's making uh, my family happy and feeling less uh, like they're missing out on their vacation. So that that's been a fun activity dude how about you dude
0: you know just doing what everybody else is doing staying home I'm able to work from home so I'm very fortunate that way and just uh trying to find a new rhythm of life right as everybody's doing I'm not able to go out and not able to watch any sports at all not able to watch any hockey and it was funny I actually got a call from my local San Jose Barracuda ticket rep which I thought was not exactly the best timing, but um, considering there's no game scheduled. <laughs> but uh, what did they ask you? I don't know. I think he was just—it was sort of like a getting to know you kind of call. Which normally, you know, when you're—I—I I have very little patience for random people I've never met calling me on the phone. But for some reason, I picked it up, and is you know some nice nice guy, probably a recent college grad or something, who was you know doing a entry level sales. Sales gig for the Barracuda, so I talked to him about hockey for about ten minutes. And we got off the call. I don't know. <laughs> wow, dude, I'm I'm shocked at
1: your tolerance of that. Actually.
0: I I am too. I was shocked after this I talked to this guy. The, I'm like, wow, I would the, never talk to strangers before. I know this. the
1: quarantine has truly changed you. It I really has. Say. This uh, that you have never stood for that before. You have never picked up the phone.
0: I know. I do If it's a number I don't recognize, I don't answer. So that's this that's usually is, this, my mo. This
1: entire thing is making you it way friendlier. It, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's affecting different people in different ways. Let's put it that way.
1: Oh, man. Well, uh, we held off on doing a, a podcast last week because they, we just didn't feel like there was enough to talk about. Yep. We have uh, gathered some Sharks-related news, dude. I mean, and I think where we can start is you know, the Sharks have signed two college players yep uh, two college free agents uh, brinson pass passy dude what passy yeah
0: that, that sounds promising you know the, the harder Paschenuk. it is to pronounce the name the the better it is i yeah. think you know that's I, good i'm times. not sure
1: how you say it and then john leonard you can't get any easier than that true uh Dude, uh, you know, these guys both have pretty good resumes for undrafted college players. Uh, Leonard, a Hobie Baker finalist this year, one of the top college players in all of American college hockey. And uh, Passa Chinook, uh, you know, by all accounts, media accounts, was pitched by 20 NHL teams to sign. And for some reason, he picked the Sharks. So. (laughs) <laughs> dude um let, let's start here if you're past a Chinook, right and obviously you don't know this kid yep why would you pick San Jose
0: um that's a good question um I guess you know it, at least from what I've read it seemed like he had a, a good connection with Doug Wilson I mean I think if you're a, a young player and you're not drafted that generally means that you're not going to be high on anybody's list of things to do if you're in a development organization for the NHL. You know, as weird as it sounds, and this is kind of a, a you know, on its face sort of a, a dumb theory, but let's go with it because I'm full of dumb theories. The, the worse the, uh, <laughs> the, the worse that the farm team is, and let's be honest, the sharks had the, not only were last place in their division, but the the San Jose Barracuda were last place. Um, that means there's more opportunities for young free agent players, and uh, if Doug Wilson and the rest of the scouting team is interested in one of these college players, then it's very likely that that player will get a better shot than if you're, you know, a, a prospect for one of the the best and deepest farm systems. And um, you know, there's plenty of players in Sharks history, like Joe Pavelski and others, that were late rounds or undrafted players and made it into the NHL. And so maybe when you're in that position in sort of the echelon of non-NHL players, those other situations actually are more meaningful than say, oh yeah, this team is known for developing great players, which you could say about a lot of teams that are not the Sharks. So maybe I'm talking myself into this situation, or maybe just You know, he felt like he connected on a personal level with the Sharks organization, and you want to go to a place where you feel comfortable and you feel like you're going to, they want you to succeed, which may not be the case everywhere.
1: I think you're right on the money, dude, that, you know, if this guy really did have his pick of 20 different teams, I think there were two things that the Sharks could maybe offer and possibly even three. One, you know, this guy just finished playing on the West Coast, and staying on the West Coast might have been incredibly desirable to him. Second, Uh, opportunity is here. You know, the Sharks uh, AHL team was bad, and there certainly is not uh, a lot of up-and-comers who are going to be pushing for roster spots next year that you would probably feel threatened by. And is there an opportunity for this guy to compete for an NHL job next year? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know if he's any good or not, but, you know, he – he may be able to come in and push a you know uh, you know a guy like Tim Heed, who even knows is even going to be around right right or Jacob Middleton who was injured you know at the end of the year and we don't know what his status is going to be you've got you know this guy who could find his way onto the team right and a team that might be making some some roster shifts and then the third thing is that you know it, it's it's you could. Make the argument, and I'm not ready to make this argument yet, that the Sharks should not be as bad as they were this year again. (laughs) Like, that could be, it could be a massive fluke, right? Or there could be things that, fluke is not the right word, because it happened for a reason, and I think we know what a lot of the reasons were. But the Sharks should not be a bottom feeder again. They're way too talented. Yep. So you could find yourself playing in a location you like on a good team. Perfect yeah. storm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and this kid John Leonard is from UMass where Mario Ferraro went. So you know, And that's
1: a good sign, right? I mean, that's a good sign cuz you know that I'm sure he talked to Ferraro.
0: Sure, of course.
1: And if Ferraro was like this is a disaster and you don't want anywhere near this dumpster fire, then this kid never would have come. So Again, an opportunity. This Leonard kid, one of the best scorers in college hockey, probably sees there's a glaring hole here, (laughs) you know, on the Sharks. Where if he has a good camp, he could play. He could play right away. Yep. He could be in the mix or he could be on the top line for the Barracuda and be next in line. You know, there's not like he's going to be competing with a lot of prospects for time. So for both these guys, you know high hopes yep. and you hope you hope it works out dude i mean i i don't know if you had a chance to look into it at all we talked about it a little bit on the phone yesterday like i mean is there any sort of track record of the history of the college free agent to
0: to of note you yeah, know it's hard it's hard to gauge you know cuz you're dealing with a changing marketplace for one right i think college hockey from some of the stuff that i've read is the college hockey is actually getting better over time so Those players, um, you know, you might get stronger players out of the college hockey ranks. Obviously, it's a very different environment than being in major junior hockey, where basically that's your job. You know, you're not going to college. You know, there's sort of, there might be some tutoring, I'm using air quotes here, tutoring um, that happens when you're 18 years old and you're playing for the battalion or whatever or the Sioux, but if you're going to UMass Amherst where John Leonard went, I mean, you're a college student. Uh, that's a different situation. The other thing is obviously, um, it's a little bit different in terms of ages, major junior hockey, you're pretty much aged out when you're 20. Whereas this, the guy that we signed from Arizona state is already 22. Um, so he's going to be a more mature player, um, playing against more mature players. And you can say maybe, um, if you handicap things right, you might have some more predictive value out of college players. I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. I mean, the fact is, is that, um, you know, generally the best players get drafted. So if you got a 22 year old player that has never been drafted, um, then generally it's hard to say that, oh, okay, he's definitely going to succeed more than one of these guys who did get drafted. So I don't know if there's quite enough data there, but it's interesting. I think there's definitely some positives to say for college players. So, um, And maybe, you know, you see the marketplace move around. I mean, I know, that, you know, too many Moneyball characterizations have been made on every possible sport ever over the past 15 years, but you can see value evolve over time. You know, when Moneyball was written, they were... Uh, you know, undervaluing things like on base percentage. And now maybe they're undervaluing things like defense and the th- same thing can be with hockey. You know, you can undervalue, maybe you undervalue college players over time and, and maybe there's an opportunity there. So um, it definitely moves around. It definitely doesn't say the same point where, Oh, okay. College players are always crap and junior players are always great. And the, and the reverse isn't true either. So I think you got to sort of take it on an individual basis. If you have a pretty dominant, uh, you know, defenseman in college, as Passage Nook seems to be. He scored, you know, 107 points in 136 games as a defenseman, um, who is a adult-sized person already. He's 6 feet tall and 200 pounds. Um, he was second in goals amongst defensemen. I mean, those are pretty good numbers in the college ranks, right? That's pretty impressive. So it'd be interesting to see, as a 22-year-old, how well those numbers can translate. I mean, when you're 19 and you're scoring 115 points a year... Uh, you know, up in, you know, the the hinterlands of Canada, I don't know what that means, but maybe it means more uh, if you're a college player. I guess we're going to find out because I think he's going to be given every opportunity to make this team, as you said.
1: Absolutely. Dude, I'm looking at a very old article. This is almost a seven-year-old article, but it just gives us a little bit of perspective of, of you know, uh, an article people ranking the 10 best undrafted free agents in the NHL in 2013. So we've got some blasts from the past names here, but I think it's helpful uh, on this. Uh, and I'm only going to look at the college players here. Rich Peverly is on this list, an undrafted player. Another undrafted player uh, but uh, from junior, Brendan Dillon. Yep. Uh, Curtis Glenn Cross. Yeah, he was a good uh, player. Was an undrafted player from the college ranks, dude. Um, funny, we're seeing some sharks here who are undrafted, uh, auntie Niemi undrafted, not from the college ranks, but an undrafted player, uh, an undrafted collegiate player, Chris Kunitz. Yeah. Good NHL career. Another undrafted NHL player, Dustin Penner.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, dude, I mean, talk about, uh, our all time favorite player. Dan yeah. Boyle. Dan
0: Boyle, undrafted. undrafted That's true.
1: Yeah, right? And so was Martin St. Louis. And those guys were all college undrafted players. So uh, the moral of the story is is that uh, Passa Chinook is the next Dan Boyle. Right. All right. right.
0: Great. I'm glad we settled that.
1: <laughs> Dude, uh, more Sharks news. Uh, Doug Wilson uh, was interviewed about a variety of different topics in it. Uh, he sort of glazed over the topic of Joe Thornton and said, you know, we know you know how we feel about Joe. Okay, of course we do. We're a little very noncommittal. Uh, but the discussion about Bob Bugner as the head coach moving forward, he said that Bob Bugner has the upper hand on being the Sharks coach next year, but was not willing to remove the interim term dude. What do you think about that kind of statement being made right now?
0: That kind of language to me, being in the corporate world, that kind of language indicates that this is a, that's a, that's a corporate HR kind of phrase, right? Do you really want, uh, unless you know for a fact that you don't want Bugner to be your head coach next year, I think you have to say something like that. You can't say, yeah, you know, he's kind of a bum. So we're going to go talk to LaViolette and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, and hopefully we can sign him. If not, we'll get Bugner. I mean, that's that's a, you know, that's going to alienate Bob Bugner. You have to basically what what that says to me, and this is you know obviously filtered through this this corporate jargon that I'm familiar with, is that we're happy with how he performed after he took over and the identity of the team. Although not obviously not happy with the results, which doesn't disqualify him. That's what I heard. It doesn't. It. I don't know if that means he has the upper hand or not. It just means that yeah, we don't want to piss them off at this point. That's what it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, You know, by all accounts, the season is not over yet, right? So, uh, well, it's it's, it's over. Dude, you you know, I mean, well, we can get to that topic next, but...
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, after.
1: You know, they're still, these NHL teams are still, they're still working. They're still having, you know, some sort of, uh, meetings and, you know, this is the guy who you're paying to be your coach. So, yeah, of course you're not going to go on NBC and say, you know, ah, we're kind of looking around, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's just, I don't know. I I don't know how I'm going to feel if he's the coach next year. I don't know that I'm going to be excited about that. I don't think that we saw – While we saw some improvement in some areas, we did not see some in others, and they were still incredibly inconsistent. So um, I'd be concerned that the team would not make a a significant step forward. I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I could be convinced otherwise, but I feel like if this team still does have these desires of being a playoff team next year, which I think they think they will be right with this roster, then I don't know how they can just roll him back out there.
0: No, two things. One, I don't mean to say that my interpretation means that I endorse Bob Bugner as the head coach of the sharks. I just, that's how I think what that statement means. Um, I also would definitely be very much against the Sharks not pursuing fully other coaches that are available to to hire. If that's what that means, then I'm definitely against it. If you want to hire Bugner, okay, right? Okay, but you got to do your due diligence and talk to a lot of other people that want to be the coach of the Sharks because... You can't just say, "Yeah, yeah, he did all right. We'll just give him the job." Right? You you got to go out and and do your homework and the background on everybody else and make sure that they're all, you know, we know who who would be a good fit for the team and who would want to coach the team and all of those things. So that that's the only thing I would say about that is that I, I don't know if Bob Bugner's the the perfect coach for the Sharks. You're right. He certainly didn't obviously turn this team around, which you could equally make the case that okay, well this means that DeBoer wasn't the problem, I guess. Um and maybe this this roster is just so flawed that no no coach could turn it around i I don't know
1: well, as we're kind of looking ahead now as we talk about the off season and the end of this season and the beginning of next, which is all you know very much in flux, right like I mean we don't know what's going to be happening you know, I've heard Elliot Friedman discuss the, um, you know, and Gary Bettman has said there are multiple plans in place: Plan A, B, C, D, Z. Right? I mean, I'm sure they're changing daily based on what's happening. We've heard Major League Baseball sort of float the idea of trying to quarantine players and start playing games even as early as May. That seems incredibly unlikely, although I'm so hopeful. But you know that that model, which would be basically flushing the traditional model of Major League Baseball, which is having an American and National League teams and having them essentially play in spring training stadiums with no fans and and have the teams that are usually at spring training in Arizona play in Arizona. That would mean you'd have American and National League teams intermixing and the same in Florida. And that's what you got, right? You know, and then it sounds like the NHL has discussed a similar model where they would go to um, less populated areas. The, the, the location uh, Friedman mentioned specifically was North Dakota and play their games in what apparently is a great facility up there um, and sequester the teams. And, you know, I didn't get anything in terms of what, the tournament or playoff format would look like. But do you think that some point there will be some sort of resolution to this year? Or do you think that it's just done?
0: You know, I'm gonna go to the the website and the comments on the website because we talked a little bit about this last week, how the the season might end. And, And it seems like there's a couple comments and and most people seem to advocate for there being some sort of tournament, some sort of playoff, but the award at the end is not the Stanley Cup, which I think is what we basically said last time we talked, which makes complete sense. You want to keep hockey on people's minds. People want to watch it, but it sort of diminishes the the mystery and the legend of the cup and how much work it takes to win it If you win three, if you win three games and you got a cup ring. I mean, that seems ridiculous. So... I'm totally on board with what Ross and James on the blog said, and uh, I'm I'm totally for that. And I think honestly, though, you know, I am not, I'm purposely not trying not to read. uh, You know, I'm not a super news junkie about this situation and trying to read every new thing that comes along. But at least my interpretation of it is this: this could be a protracted struggle on the part of society, and at this point, I'd say that there will be some pro games in some sport and maybe pro games in all sports that will be played in arenas or stadiums with no fans. I think that is definitely going to happen. If, if you, if I could put money on it, I'd say there's a greater than 50% chance of that happening. Either the NHL, baseball, football, basketball, all of them, you know, European soccer, whatever. I think that is the only way we're going to see pro sports back, uh, Live pro sports happening in the next four to five months. I just don't see it happening any other way. And and you even see some dates like oh, we're not going to allow sporting events till Thanksgiving. You know, I don't know if that's that's real or not. But it's it's very difficult to see how you could have a, a grouping of thousands of people anytime soon. So I think it will be really interesting. You know, the NHL you know, took basketball's lead very quickly. I think they they suspended the season one day after the NBA did. The NBA was first, at least in, in America. And I could see the NHL trying to take the lead and trying something like that. I mean, it's a it's an investment to a certain extent, but you're right. If you can just run, you know, a crew of 50 to 100 people in, in the arena and that's it, the players and the refs and some scorekeepers and you're done and you stream it online or you have some sort of TV contract... That, to me, seems to make the most sense. And, and the formatting, I, I'm less concerned about, but I think that's how we're going to be experiencing hockey either the end of the 2020 season and honestly, prob- maybe even the beginning of the 2021 season.
1: Well, I think that's the question, dude. And, you know, maybe we can sort of come up with our own uh, formats for wh- how we think uh, this could go down, you know, because the, the other question is, you know, how late can they go? without significantly impacting next season, right? Because you're right, you know, um, the odds of there being any sort of uh, normal resumption to the 2020-2021 hockey season is, you know, unlikely, right? It's going to be impacted in terms of how they play the games, but can they play the games um, and just not have fans, Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope you're right. And I think, you know, people are all looking at Major League Baseball right now to see, you know, how or will they get something going to be sort of the pioneers of this situation? Because, you know, uh, they, while there's a lot at stake in terms of people's health, you know, if they get it wrong... Because it's not just the players, it's got to be the hotel workers, the food workers who would be the bus drivers. It's all of that. They All of these people have to be quarantined. You know, um, It would be a, at great risk and great sacrifice, but um, it seems like no league will probably be willing to take this on until rapid testing is widely available so that they're not... So this would require daily testing,
0: dude. Yeah, or close to it, for sure. Um, you know,
1: and if general public can't get tested, but entertainers can and athletes can, that would cause a massive problem. And I don't think any league is going to take that on.
0: Yeah, I think testing is definitely, I mean, I can only speak for for what I know, knowing people in healthcare. I think testing is getting faster. You know, you can get a test result in an hour now where it used to be days when it was early on. Um, sure,
1: but it's the availability of it, right? Sure. Which seems to be improving too.
0: I think it's improving. So- I think that's definitely improving and, and they're testing a lot of people now. So is that enough? I, I don't know the answer to that, but um, I, I think that's I think it's likely gonna happen. And in terms of the format, in terms of it affecting next season, I mean, assuming that next season can start uh, on its regular schedule, which I think is very much in doubt at this point, um, if you play a a shortened tournament where you do a single elimination bracket format, like a March Madness type of situation, which I think a lot of people are sort of advocating for, which I think would be really fun. It would be a really neat thing to see. Um, Then you're talking about a team that's playing five, six, seven games. You have a, a, a camp, you know, a 10 day or seven to 10 day sort of mini camp to tune the team up again. And then you have a two or three week tournament and I think you could have that in August and still start the start the season in October if you really wanted to. Because five or six games is like, you know, that's two weeks of hockey. It's not that big of a deal.
1: Wouldn't that be fun? God, that would be so fun. It really you know, would be I, fun. I think that, um, that one thing that I heard on a different podcast that I thought was an interesting uh, take was that, you know, what, what the leagues all have to work together on, and it will be complicated because everybody wants to get back to business, is... If everybody tries to start up again all at the same time, it'll be pandemonium. Yeah, it will be. Because then it will be just a complete oversaturation of the market. We're talking golf, tennis. We're talking auto racing. We're talking all this, right? Yep. Like they, they need to find a way to all work together to try and spread this out so that their own business models are successful. Because if they all come back at the same time, it's not going to help anybody because nobody's going to know where to look. You know?
0: Not, not to get too see- far. Sorry, not to get too far afield, but isn't that some sort of like monopoly antitrust situation? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but can you really do that? Isn't that collusion? I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, don't they already... This is what they already have, dude. I mean, they already have it mapped out so that you don't have football, baseball, um, hockey, and NBA running their full seasons all side by side.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Right? They already have that mapped up. I mean, are we gonna see an okay, we're getting way down the rabbit hole now, but are we gonna see a complete overhaul in those four major sports annual schedules based on life after this? Not I I'm don't think permanently,
0: see- because there's there's generations of fans and and enthusiasts that know that the baseball season runs from April to October and know that the hockey season sure. runs from October to May or the beginning of June and maybe the next 18 months the next you know season or maybe even two seasons depending on where everything lands could be disrupted i find it difficult to believe that those sports wouldn't go back to sort of regularly scheduled programming after that
1: i guess what i'm saying is that you know there's been during collective bargaining in all these sports, I mean, there's been, you know, one big thing in the NFL is, you know, there's certain, you know, parts of the league that have little to no interest in these exhibition games, right? So, you know, like in the part of redefining what their season might look like, will they eliminate those games? You know, I mean, will they extend the regular season? Will the NHL shorten their season permanently uh, from 82 games to, 70 you know i mean i'm I'm not saying any of these things will happen i'm just wondering if there will be changes to the sport as a byproduct of life post coronavirus
0: yeah i i think uh there's certainly going to be a lot more opportunities um to make changes at this point because you know we're dealing under a different set of rules and restrictions at this point and and will be for for a while so i could certainly see leagues and and Businesses trying completely different things. As as I'm sure everybody knows, you know, everybody's local restaurants are now doing delivery and takeout. When maybe that wasn't a big business model.
1: Well, I mean, we went to a a restaurant in Campbell uh, just because we saw the ad. You know, there's a restaurant called Flights, right? I'm not meaning to do a commercial for them. Yeah, but they're doing like a market, right? Like they're selling. Like ingredients in and prepared meals, but like we saw that they had pre-packaged Easter baskets, right? And so, like, I went and I, you know, they had it all set up outside, and I went and I bought one. You know, I mean, it was yep. completely overpriced, but you <laughs> yep. know, but I, but I felt good about it. This is a local business. We've been to that restaurant. We like it. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I'm gonna help them out, and um, there seems to be interest. You got to get creative. You got to think outside the box. You got to find some way to keep. Some sort of revenue going, and I think that that's why all eyes are on baseball right now.
0: Yeah, Balls. it's interesting because I think it will be a, a, a domino effect, like we saw with the NBA canceling the season. It certainly could be a similar effect if baseball hits upon something that people can get excited about. Because no sport is going to want to be the sport that just decides not to play any games. Ah, nah. We'll just nobody's going to do that. We'll no. let baseball I mean, they, they and, and basketball that. be in the mind share well, of all the fans. The
1: baseball. If they don't play, some of these guys who are making twenty, thirty million dollars, they're going to get whatever the you know season canceled agreed salary was, which was like two hundred thousand dollars. So you know, oh boohoo, yeah. you know. But also, yeah, that's that is if you're used to making two twenty million dollars, and now you're only getting two hundred thousand. Yeah. You better believe they want to play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. they're gonna to want to play, so it's gonna be interesting. In, in, and, um, you know, dude, the NBA is doing a horse tournament starting tomorrow That's on awesome. ESPN with alumni like uh you know NBA like legends versus current players and even some WNBA players I'm watching it absolutely <laughs> I almost watched wrestling just oh, because it oh was live right Yeah. I mean the WWE they're doing weekly live Mike. physical contact programming yeah yeah so you know um it it might it might be interesting
0: cuz it might open it also might open we're also getting kind of far afield but it might open you know things for new sports and new things to watch i mean i know probably a lot of our listeners watch twitch but there's a lot of twitch stuff that could be that's getting a lot of viewers right now i mean not just esports but i could see other things being streamed that maybe doesn't yeah. require an insane amount of like physical resources like an ice rink yeah. and boards and nets and all this kind of nonsense. I mean, there might be other sports or or pastimes that people could get really excited about that you could stream for very little money that people could get really into and and we might see the emergence of some other uh you know spectator type things that where the spectation where the spectators are online. The spectators don't have to sure. go to a yeah. physical place and mingle with thousands right. of other people, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, y- the other sport that you got to figure I know they've postponed a lot of things, but that maybe they might be motivated to try and do something else is, you know, golf. Like mm-hmm. you got to think golf, they might try and come back faster than maybe they thought just because, I mean, you're literally playing alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like
0: you're playing in a, you know, it's pretty easy to physically distance yourself from the other players. Pretty easy. That's right. Yeah.
1: So, you know, it, it there's opportunity here because people are so desperate to watch something that you know, I never watch golf, but you know what? I'd watch all four days of a tournament right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah,
1: I would watch it. I get excited about it. Uh, you know, I and I, you could maybe make a new fan. You know, dude. You know, we've talked a lot already. We thought we would have nothing to talk about. We're, we're already, you know, plowing along here. But let's take this question here from Tom. Okay. And then I think you had some stuff on the on the blog here. But Tom has been listening to us from the beginning and we we really appreciate that, Tom. We love hearing from you. He's talking about expansion draft with Seattle. He said I couldn't help feeling that we were two top six forwards away from being dominant this year. Looking back at the roster, it was too much to ask for the young guys to come in and step up to be top six scorers agreed. Here's his question. Do you think DW is waiting for expansion to take place before he adds anything significant to this roster? Um, do you think DW is biding his time, waiting for the expansion dust to settle before he reels in the next big one?
0: You know that's a really interesting idea, and I hadn't really thought about this before. So I'm I'm glad. I'm thanks for the question, Tom. That's really something to think about. I'm not really thinking of the expansion draft, although maybe we're both thinking of it the same way. But you know, the expansion draft could be an opportunity for the Sharks to take out the trash. Let's let's be honest, right? This is the, the most callous way of saying it. But it's an opportunity for uh, maybe some of these contracts, which we've harped upon many times throughout this season. Um, if you have a, a young team or a new team and the team needs to make the salary floor, as they do, um, they can't just take all free agents and pay them the league minimum. Uh, it might be an opportunity for one of the Sharks players to become a cornerstone for the new Seattle franchise, Um, which is interesting. And it would be really weird, but uh, I could see that as being not part of the strategy because you can't exactly expect the team to say, okay, this is our worst contract. Would you please take it? Although, you know, there might be trade opportunities, right? We saw a lot of trades in that vein happening, when Vegas came into the league, which is you can trade assets to the expansion team in order for them to pick one of your players. You can also trade assets to a team in order for them not to pick one of your players. Sure. Um, And everything you can possibly imagine, which is really fun to think about. It's a really fun sort of like game theory situation. Um, this, This might be an opportunity for the Sharks to get out from some of these contracts, honestly. And so I think... If DW smart, and I have no reason to believe he hasn't thought of this, uh, this might be part of a long term strategy here to get out from under maybe a contract or two that they don't like. Um, yeah. We'll dude, see.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's possible. You're just going to need those players that are being paid. You know, I mean, the, these are the people we're talking about, right? We're talking about Carlson, Burns, Kane, and Vlasic, right? We're not talking about Couture. No. Nope. We're not talking about Hurdle. We're not talking about Timo Meyer, right? These are those are the guys we're talking about. Are forgetting anybody? No, like, I don't think so. Those are the four high price guys that you might go. Yeah, you know maybe, and we don't know what kind of protections they have, right? You got to think maybe Carlson has a protection against this, right? But the other three, they probably don't. So, um, if Brent Burns is a minus 30 and not playing well, why would you want him? Yeah, you know, yeah. if Lasic is up and down, yo-yoing around, why would you want him? And Evander Kane might be the most likely to go, but he's the one actually you probably want to keep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's true. you
1: don't have a lot of forward scoring depth. So yes, uh, it's a good thought to get out from underneath one of these contracts but the Sharks do not have the assets to be able to offer or, you know, say, here, take a take a pick or take a young player to take this contract. God, that would just be another bad situation, like where they're giving away assets that they don't have riches of.
0: That's true. That's true. But you do see a lot of movement. We saw a lot of movement in the league around the expansion draft. I don't know if I, I would go so far as to say Doug Wilson will wait and sit tight until the expansion draft. But I think he could see it as an opportunity maybe to solve some problems. Um, sure. But I, I don't know if he's just going to hang out because, um, you know, there's another whole season between now and then. So I don't and,
1: think – And this is going to be the strangest offseason in NHL history. Maybe, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, because you've got, you know, free agents, a guy like Taylor Hall who, you know, for him, uh, this is – a terrible situation, right? I mean like you, you, who's going to want to commit long term and dollars to a player right now? It's not going to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: not going to be there. He's going to have to take a one year make you know one year deal to, to till the world writes itself before some owners going to want to commit millions and millions of dollars. So if we're looking ahead and this isn't the question, but this is something I think I want to talk about a little bit more next week maybe. There's opportunity this offseason to maybe get a player who probably would have been, you know, signing a massive multi-year deal on some sort of one-year deal. Because this is not just for the Sharks, it's for everybody, you know. And, you know, what the Sharks didn't do this year, which was sign a bunch of veterans to fill out their roster, those guys are going to be really struggling to find work this year, I think. Yep. Especially if the cap goes down and the Sharks learn their lesson, right? So they may be able to get some very useful veteran players for veteran minimum, which is what they should have done this year. Yeah. And they didn't do. So, because there's not going to be any takers for any of these long, big contracts this off season. That's not what's going to happen.
0: Right. Because we don't know how much the revenue is going to dip because of no. games A not being able to be saving. held and so on.
1: Yeah, dollars for dollars, right? Unless you're trading Burns for another $9 million player and you're just exchanging roster things, you know? Yeah. Uh, It's a good thought. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I doubt, you know, the Sharks... There will be opportunity for Seattle to take a high-priced Sharks player. It's just will that player have played well enough to be interesting
0: right right and certainly and you know if if this is a, a a monkey see monkey do kind of league which most leagues are certainly that is exactly not what the vegas golden knights did and they saw pretty good success right away they did not go for right. eric Stahl. they did not go for these high price guys that were available they went for young william carlson you know, instead. And that really worked out. So it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle tries to play the same playbook again. I don't know if it's possible, but they might try it. Dude, let's turn our attention to the most important thing, most important topic for this podcast. And that's furnishings, home furnishings. Um, Dude, there was a comment, a, a good comment on the blog from Hal, who says, I have a comment. I wonder what you guys think. Dan ruzanowski I've never had anything but respect for this guy. He is so good. Hal, on this, we agree but his recent broadcast from home kind of give me the creeps. Is this guy really surrounded by piles of crap as indicated in these videos? He's still great, but now I can't help but think that he's a bit of a weirdo too. Dude, have you seen these, these things on Facebook? You're not friends with Dan Rusynowski on Facebook, dude. (laughs) Come on, dude. Do your research. Yeah. Do your research. Yeah. We're, we're buds. Me and me and Dan. (laughs) Oh yeah. Trading DMs all the time.
1: What you've described. It sounds like it's the inside of Trump tower.
0: (laughs) And and someone uh, Ross responded and said, "This is very true. I'm not creeped out by it, but I've had to resist tweeting back at Dan several times lately, asking him why he lives in some sort of Victorian museum. <laughs> it's on brand for uh, for Ruzi. <laughs> it's true. His uh, his." His furnishings are what I would consider to be on the gaudy side. Um, wow! Gilded uh, candelabras, etc., uh, chandeliers, and so forth. Wow! Um, well. Not really my personal taste, but I don't think it makes the man creepy. It's just you know, everybody, you do you. You know, dude, I don't, I don't see any uh, sort of uh, crazy, you know, gold uh, furnishings in your house, and you won't see them in mine. But that doesn't mean he's a weirdo or a creep. It well, just, means I just, he's,
1: I don't. I don't FaceTime with you from that wing of the house.
0: That's so. true. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my coffin that I sleep in is in a different room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My I whole love, goth setup.
1: I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that uh, he's providing that sort of entertainment for all of us right now when we desperately need it.
0: But in case someone is is looking to do uh, you know a home makeover, which I think some people are probably doing, you should check out Dan Rusinowski's Facebook and and you get a little bit of an idea of what his his tastes are. He's got the table runners and the yeah, you know, sort of complicated patterns on. Dishes and so forth. It's you know, it's an interesting look. And and I'm glad it sounds like it looks like he's happy with where he's at. And so for that, I'm glad too.
1: I'd be worried that Rusinowski might hear this, but I know that we're only the 122nd rated hockey podcast on <laughs> iTunes. So that's not bad. Oh, I'm wait. not worried about it. Wait, yeah. that is
0: kind of bad now that I think about it, because if every team has podcasts, then that means we're like the third or fourth best rated sharks podcast that's pretty bad It sort of like reminds me of flight of the concords where they said that they were you know the third best you know comedic parody duo in new zealand it's sort of like that we're sort of that we're the flight of the concords dude yeah except not well we we
1: we thank all of you for supporting us uh on our ride to glory
0: yeah Yeah. we got i don't know i got some random email that says we're now ranked 120 on the apple podcast hockey chart i i don't know i think maybe this guy's just He's probably just trolling for ad dollars. He probably just wants us to somehow, you know, pay... Well, that's,
1: that's no way to make us feel good.
0: That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Although there are a lot of podcasts now. I mean, let's be honest. There's probably too many. That's true. There's that's a lot true. of podcasts out
1: there. You should have buttered my role a little bit more, you know? You're
0: right. You he sh- you should have said, with a bullet. We're going up?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to make it all the way to the top, you want to you wanna crack the top 90?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you really work hard you, you might make it into double digits go for oh you my God. you guys go anyway dude, well, dude I... let,
1: let next week let's talk about what our wish is for some sort of hockey tournament I want you to think about the format you want I'll think about my format Okay. we'll pitch our gaudy candelabra to the world
0: yep sounds good dude until then right. go Sharks
1: go Sharks
0: hate the show want to get your questions on the air Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.